the Minnesota multiphasic oh. personality inventory is generally the one they do for adults. You need a, yeah. you need a PhD just to spell yeah. the name. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine-based podcast forced by students for everyone. I'm Nick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Charlene. Hello! And we have some special guests here today. We've got Beck and Talia, which are psychology students. Hi! <laughs> of some <laughs> sort. In unison. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, our third guests. Of yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, we just... I don't. I don't even know. Actually, B was the one that approached you guys, and yeah. he's not even here. <laughs> no, he's not. No. Again, they're off. Uh, they're off doing, doing other their things. thing. But yeah, he. I guess put the idea to us, and we were like, "Yes, let's get some psych people on." And we found some psych students. <laughs> <laughs> just by accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just pulled them on off the yeah. street. Don't worry. Got them walking past. So, I don't know. Just tell us a bit about psych or why you or what it's like studying psych because it's very different to I guess Chinese medicine or even like any other courses because you need so much study before you can actually do anything be a psychologist <laughs> I guess yeah yeah um I guess well yeah <laughs> how you oh sorry mine are closed enough there we go um yeah so I guess it's different it's different in the sense that we don't get a lot of practical training um, like we have to do the four-year undergrad degree and then you can't do any placement really until you do master's or a PhD. So I guess it's different in that sense. So we have a lot of um, theoretical knowledge and background, but not so much practical at the moment. Mm, and um, I think like when you're in your first and second and third years even, like the cohort's really large and it's mm. like a really sort of popular subject to study for a lot of people because like I mean the ATAR isn't the highest to get into and you don't need any maths or science or anything like that like from high school so it's not really I don't know it's not a subject that a lot of people think is really difficult until you get into it and start studying it and realize that you have to be able to grasp like a lot of concepts really quickly because there's so many of them and then yeah, once, like, even now that we're in honours, like, you kind of have to start learning how to apply them and you have to have a memory of, like, all different age groups, all different kinds of mental illnesses, all kinds of, like, healthy behaviours, like, that sort of thing, so, I yeah. feel like Chinese medicine is very similar yeah. in the fact that, like, we start with all these students that are like, oh, yeah, let's all just do this. Um, there's Brendan. Oh, oh, he's back. Look at, <laughs> look at this guy. Look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Yeah, so we start with, like, all okay, these students. Sorry. On that note, that is an amazing, like, rever- the, like spot that he got. Wow. Did he parallel? Happens. He, no, he drove in. But it's, oh. like, literally right, right outside. Out right out the front. Oh. At this time, not available. Look at that. <laughs> it was just meant to be. There it is. Yeah. There it is. If he's quick enough, he can jump on in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, as I was saying... Yeah, we start with, like, all these students um, and then it, like, cuts to As half pretty saying, quick. all our 30 students. <laughs> all our 30 students. Mm. But then a lot of them quickly realise that it's just a lot of work and that it, there's just more to it than mm. and what it starts psych off. is actually really, com- like, crazy competitive once you get past that three-year yeah. undergrad. 
Is it? Is, is so it, it reduces down. Like I think, I mean, at the start of first year, I think we had about 300 students. Mm, yeah. And then by the end of third year, I think we were down to about 150. <laughs> and then only, I think it was 33 got into my honours course yeah. this year. Whoa. So I think I'm yeah. the same. It's like mm. crazy yeah. competitive. Mm. So and then to do like masters and like PhD stuff, you have to have like experience. Uh, <laughs> I, I only know this from talking yeah. to these guys. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have, I mean, honours is mainly based on marks, Come on in, whereas B. masters. Oh, hey. We <laughs> <laughs> were just complimenting you on your parking yeah. and finding a park. So. <laughs> but yeah, so masters is based, it is based on marks as well, but it's also having... Um, experience i guess in forms of like volunteering be, being a research assistant um so it, yeah it does all the get fun stuff yeah <laughs> it's <does get> a <laughs> lot more competitive for sure yeah so you basically have to take at least like one or two years off after honors if you want to continue studying like yeah. in order to be a psychologist you have to have masters so you can't just finish honors and then go out and be qualified like yeah. you if you want to be a, a clinical worker then you have to have masters or if you want to have a career in academic or like lecturing or whatever you have to go to a PhD. So, oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because I guess psych, I don't know, we were discussing this the other day, but the experience or the amount of experience you need before you can actually treat people, mm. and like it's proportional to what you do, I guess, because... I mean, some of the stuff is, like, it's very suggestive to, like, changing behaviours and, like, mm. doing that type of thing. And you're just influencing a person in that way in their mind. Yeah. So, I can see why. Do you agree? Do you agree? Yeah. Like I think it's, it, like, for one, you have to have a good theoretical knowledge. But mm. a lot of it is also, like, having the personality to yeah. sort of handle those sort of yeah. issues. Because you can't just be rude. Especially <laughs> being, yeah. Like, you have to be... I remember the one thing we were taught was you can't be sympathetic, you have to be empathetic. Mm. Um, and what's the difference? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, sim- sympathetic is like you like you feel sorry for someone or you're like, oh, that sucks. Like it's not like you're not you understand that it's a bad thing to be going yeah. through, but empathy is sort but of like more putting yourself in their shoes yeah and understanding yourself how it would feel so applying the situation to yourself and not just being like oh that's happening to someone else that sucks but mm-hmm. I don't really know what that would yeah. mean or like I don't really like pay attention to what that would mean if that happened to me or something yeah yeah I think that's like a really important trait to have in sort of any health field though yeah um, definitely and just being able to yeah do that be like yeah empathetic and not sympathetic or whatever mm-hmm. anyways Welcome, B. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> I came very late. Um, no, I was I was actually supposed to miss this one, but I thought I'd just slide in. Yeah, and go, hey, what's right up? Right on B time. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. What's up, guys? Uh, Hi. Welcome to our uh, podcast. Uh, Thank you. you guys Thank on. you for uh, suggesting that yeah. we come. Oh yeah, no, don't, yeah. Worry, don't worry about it. I'll take full credit for that. Yeah, no, I already gave you full credit. Oh, thank on. you. <laughs> also, I had some Subway, so Nick, you're sharing this mic with me. I had some garlic, <laughs> so you're going to smell it on this mic, all right? That's the best, mate. That's the best. <laughs> Only the best for the best. Anyways, um, have you got some questions? Questions? Oh, so, what? Let him get prepared. I guess mm. what do psychologists, it's very, very broad, but what mm. do psychologists do? I know there's different types. Um. Um, and I know it's not mind reading <laughs> for those people that think it is. <laughs> but I guess what if someone, if you're like, oh, 
I, stu- I study psychology and they're like, oh, well, what do you do once you're done? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I guess um, I'll start off, I guess I'll start off with like clinical psychology probably. Yeah. So yeah. Mm, if you do your master's, you usually end up going into clinical psychology. And um, that's seeing patients? Yeah. So yes. basically it's seeing um, patients, I guess, one-on-one or, I mean, depends if you're going to like single one-on-one therapy yeah. or group therapy. Um, so yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not how I think most people imagine psychology where I feel like uh, that like long, yeah, like Freud, like there. tell me your problems. <laughs> <laughs> so he writes it down. Um, and then the psychologist <laughs> is just drawing like cartoons. Yeah, on their yeah. <laughs> I think, guess it's more, I don't know that like there's a big process involved. Um, just trying to remember, like there's a lot of. Because we have a lot of, like, questionnaires. Um, yeah. Well, like, you start – like, like it, it, I'd say it'd be very similar to Chinese med. Like, mm. we have a thing called a clinical interview. Mm. And if, like, if you are being a clinical site – because, I mean, it's different depending – because even if you trained clinically, it doesn't necessarily mean you're – like, you can apply your knowledge to every single area. Like, there's yeah. obviously a lot of specialisations. But if you're just uh, – say, like, for example, doing the, like, stereotypical mental health – issue like that sort of thing like the clinical interview is an hour and that's generally your first session Mm -hmm. and it will cover everything from like basically what you guys do like family history like previous mental health history like educational history work history that all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so that's basically how it starts off and Mm -hmm. it's just yeah one session try and get as much information as you can try and do any assessments that you need to do a lot of people will need like personality tests or but those things take forever so you probably (laughs) would have to do them in another session but like you could do like a bunch of like stress questionnaires depression anxiety that sort of thing Mm. so yeah they're pretty common as well like Mm. anxiety yeah Yeah, on on personality tests Mm. you get like the foo-foo ones on online where it's (laughs) like you know your um you know which disney character which disney princess are you (laughs) on hollywood chris am i yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) which disney princess are you hey look i'm jasmine but don't worry about that I was also going to say Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> we should just be psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, like, um, I, I haven't seen, oh, I don't know of any, like, legit personality mm. tests. So, mm. uh, could you take me maybe through one, possibly, that was off the top of your head? I'll put you on the spot like no, that. No, 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 that's like, okay. It's kind of... There's a whole podcast is going to be just putting you on yeah, the spot. Yeah. Like... <laughs> like I don't really know the whole process of the one I'm thinking of, but the Minnesota multiphasic oh. personality in- inventory is generally the one they do for adults. Holy heck. You need a yeah. you need a PhD yeah, just to spell yeah. the name. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a long name. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it like it's I think it goes for like two hours or something, and like wow. you have to have like and like the psychologist administrating it, and it it'll run through like. It just runs through everything that you could possibly think of that would be in a personality test. So they try and like. So it's like a questionnaire. Uh, it's kind of like a questionnaire, but at the same time, like I think it's like legit for like yeah. official. Like I'm trying to get out of murder because I have <laughs> like insanity issues or something. Yeah, and like a lot of them try and break you <laughs> Not down. Me I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just that was just like <laughs> yeah, right. B's face was shook. It was like <laughs> murder. <laughs> This started off as like an innocent questionnaire <laughs> just no. to see if somebody's like depressed or anxious and Charlene's talking about getting out of murder. Yeah, I missed six minutes of this, man, and all of a sudden we're talking about murder. Like. <laughs> yeah, it, try, it kind of just tries to break you down. Like, I mean, there's – I'm not entirely sure about this 
one actually off the top of my head, but I know most personality tests will be based off the five factors, which yeah. is ocean, ocean. <laughs> Ooh. which yeah. is openness, openness conscientiousness, extroversion, uh, yeah, yeah, extroversion, neuroticism. Um, yeah, yeah, that was great. You got that was that was really good. <laughs> yeah, so you, you basically get rated like on a continuum for all those five factors, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah right. So, like, combining that um, with your treatment stuff in, in a way, like, you, you read the type of person, uh, what type of person they are from those type of things, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can figure out, like, especially, like, in terms of neuroticism, like, yeah. that's probably the main <laughs> one, like, figuring out how vulnerable they will be to anxiety disorders and depression disorders and that sort of thing. That one's pretty important for that. Like, even just other things like openness to experience, that's, like... Um, it's kind of going to be like how well they take to treatment even, like if yeah. they're willing to try different strategies and that sort of thing. How yeah. open you are to therapy. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> and, um, actually, one of you was telling me about the Beyond Blue kind of screen. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we don't really incorporate those type of surveys, questionnaires and things, but... I feel like... No, but we talk about anxiety and depression a lot. Mm. um, And we talk about how well we can treat it and, like, what we can do for it. But, like, screening and, like, identifying it isn't something that's, like, stressed. It's just, like, they'll come in and tell you they've got anxiety. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe, probably not. Mm. Um, I feel like it's a Chinese med anxiety as opposed to, like, a clinical, like, psych psychology diagnosis. Like the mental illness anxiety yeah. versus just a general ang- anxious yeah. feeling or yeah. like yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. But like I mean not to take away from those patients that do come in and actually have anxiety mm-hmm. but for us it's more of a like a patient's report rather than us going they like have scored this on this questionnaire report and so we know that that's happening. Mm. Yeah, no, mm. forgive me if I'm wrong on this one, but I think... I'll um, you regard. Oh, <laughs> oh Charlene. Oh, no, you almost forgot what I said, but no, I got this. Um, I, think in, I think in Chinese med, maybe um, when it comes to depression and anxiety, we haven't really put a huge label on each of those disorders and kind of th- those kind of things. So we treat it just accordingly like it's, uh, like, like it's something going on. Um, and so we don't really have a protocol to say, oh, you have depression. Mm. It's more like, oh, they, they're showing depressive type, uh, symptoms and things like that. Mm. Whilst, um, you guys being in a different, like in a different scope where I, I in a way I, we've, we've talked about this before when, mm. um, you know, so the, the psych parts of, of healthcare is pretty unappreciated yeah. and things like that. <laughs> so in a sense, um, to, for people to acknowledge like mental health and everything, in the medical field, you have to put a medical term under it, like depression mm-hmm. and anxiety yeah. and things like that. Does, is, do you, does that yeah. ring true, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I so. in order for us to yeah. do a lot of work, you kind of have to have a diagnosis. Because, like, I mean, the DSM, for example. Yeah, DSM-5. Yeah. Basically, oh, DSM. Heard, yeah. DSM. Yeah, like a big diagnostic manual. Uh. It's like, it's not, um, you're not, I guess you're not supposed to look at it as though it has like all the answers for every single um, mental disorder, but it's sort of like a guide, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And like it's a way of communicating to other professionals as well. Like because mm. they, they obviously have standard diagnoses and like, for example, depression is like you have to be experiencing like either 
anhedonia, which is lack of interest in your normal leisure activities and also depressed mood for at least two weeks. And then you have to have a combination. I think it's like five other symptoms. So yeah. it's like... There's like all this criteria Yeah, it's like it. insomnia, like a mm. bunch of other things. And like that is a way of basically community. Like if you're going to refer, like even at like if you're referring on to a psychiatrist or even a Chinese med practitioner, that's a way of being like, this person has these symptoms and this is how long they've had them for. So you definitely know that that's what they're experiencing because the diagnosis has labelled it that as it. But there's also like unspecified criteria in the DSM. So if someone has some of the symptoms, not all of them or for not long enough, like you can be like, oh, they're exhibiting these symptoms, but like it's not enough for a diagnosis, if that makes sense. But you don't want to like put people in boxes and keep yeah. them all labelled mm-hmm. as like certain diagnoses. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think it's important to have those like things so you can actually say like these are what that person's experiencing, especially when you're talking to other professions. Mm. Um, yeah, and keep it all like standardised so everyone yeah, knows. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Got anything else? Anybody? No, no, I got you. No, I was writing down the stuff. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, um, what I wanted to talk about real quick, I'm kind of like jumping track a little bit, is um, how do you guys incorporate lifestyle and things like that? Because we, us in Chinese med, we have you know, uh, you know, you know, you got to be more mindful of eating these type of foods and try exercise and things like that. And obviously, I feel like your field definitely emphasizes lifestyle a lot more because you only do so much, so much, like you know, in in your in a clinical. Um, setting, but then outside they're gonna take home something. I, I know when I did when I had my experience with um, psychology and everything like that is more so uh, leaving with the tools that they've given me, so then I can mm. you know live a yeah. daily life without having to go back to the psych every week. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like lifestyle things and and, and all that, how, what type of role does that play where you, where you guys are? I know that's really broad, <laughs> really vague, really vague. Um, Let's say let's say diet for example. Let's let's go let's scope into one. Oh, okay. Diet. But, uh, diet. How how does diet play into mm. like psychology and things like that? I mean, I guess like or I, I feel like having like guess like quote unquote like a healthy diet is probably mm. um, good. I know we've done because there's like there's the whole branch. There's like a branch of psychology that is literally mm. just health psychology. Yeah, and it's pretty much that like figuring <laughs> out lifestyle factors and that sort of thing. And I'd say diet like. I mean, I suppose diet doesn't really have, like, the biggest of impacts for psych specifically. Like, I know a lot of foods, like, can alter mood and that sort of thing. I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on having variety of food and, like, having a healthy diet. But, yeah, we don't really delve into that too much, I would say. I think one is, like, physical activity, exercise, movement. Yeah, that's definitely a lot more. Sleep as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep's really important. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard with diet, I think, because oh, yeah, I feel no, like everyone. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, can that. I feel like because everyone's different with diet as well. Like, I suppose, like if someone was, like, we were even talking about like drug taking and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like substance abuse is a bigger part of it. Ooh, that's a good yeah. topic right there. Yeah, because <laughs> no, like fine. I think even in my class the other day, we were just talking about like how like even if someone comes in and they've like got depression you find out through your clinical interview that maybe they're not eating so well they're taking drugs you can like suggest to them like ways to improve that sort of area of their life because it's all about like the environment you're in like when you come into a psychologist you might be happy for that hour and like 
confident that you'll be able to go out but as soon as you put back in the environment that originally was causing you to have those Mm. symptoms then it's very easy to turn around so if you it's kind of like what you were saying like having the tools to cope is part of it so if you're if your diet is a problem then like having healthy food behaviors like cooking your own meals and like trying to set yourself like schedules for that sort of thing like really helps and Mm. and you can definitely use these as like outcome measures I'm sure as like yeah you know seeing progress as like Mm -hmm. They're not going to be one week they're going to be depressed and the next week they're going to come in and be like, everything's fantastic. I feel great. But, I you cooked know, all my meals this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. So you can use that as, I'm sure, as like a, like, oh, this week I did a little bit more like healthy eating or mm-hmm. I went to the gym once this week. So it's like little steps and you can show that to your patients like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, well, like I think that's particularly like important, especially if you're talking about um, eating disorders because mm-hmm. that's definitely yeah. one area that a lot of people like especially health psychology delves into so like even for people with anorexia like if it's the opposite of that it's like oh instead of eating one meal a day I ate two or instead of like only consuming this many calories I consumed a little bit more and like that's yeah how you track progress and that sort of thing so yeah no being being a patient I feel that like, but like, as in, when I was, like, seeing the psych, I want to keep relating to the fact that the psych, like, hey, guys, you used to know I think, because it wasn't actually, other than the, the actual screening test, which is the, the stress, the anxiety one, I don't know, the questionnaires. The DAS? Yeah, is it DAS? Did you do the DAS? Hey, I mean, I think, I don't remember. <laughs> Depression, anxiety, and stress scale? Yeah. Those two sheets I did. That's all I know. So when I was when I was a when I was being a patient, basically, I feel like that other than those things, it's a little bit hard to grasp an outcome measure. Other than and now that Nick had said it, it kind of triggered a thought. I'm like, mm. hey, I like I started going to gym more, and I started to you know uh, meal prep. And when I used to report that into my psych, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, that's good. And then I now I'm thinking about it. That's her reporting. I mean getting better in a way yeah yeah because I I guess like one thing I always try to remember is that well I think the thing we've been taught is that psychologists I think sometimes people going in especially like say you go see your general practitioner usually they'll sort of tell you what the cause is what you have to do and then that's what you do and then that fixes it whereas psych it's more I guess it's sort of similar to Chinese medicine as well you're facilitating the person and helping them Recognise it themselves. Yeah, yeah. And be able to implement their own, um, oh, what's the word, like... Their own treatment almost. Yeah. Like being able to self-recognise mm, what yeah. you need to do and like, yeah, instead yeah. of being someone telling you what to do, like you have motivation mm. to do it yourself. Like it's kind of instilling motivation to make a change yourself. Yeah, yeah just yeah. helping like the body heal itself mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm. Just putting it back on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talking about like... Um, being like seeing psychologists and stuff, how much do you guys see in yourselves that you like? So you read all the theory, and <laughs> that oh it's all about personality, and then you're like, oh damn, <laughs> <laughs> I am all these things. <laughs> how much does that like happen? Like, uh, I mean, I think it's natural to sort of when you're reading it, you'll think of yourself, or like I know for me, I think of my family because that's like my first thought, <laughs> um, and I guess you sort of unconsciously relate it anyways I don't but do you find that like difficult to or like when somebody's talking to you that you may sort of know like a little bit about but not too much and then the the more they talk to you you're like Mm. I can see like all of these traits yeah I I feel like it's kind of difficult to switch off almost because I feel like a lot of people who 
start to study psych in the first place are interested in that or like mm. they already do it themselves like they're yeah. already like and it is assessing everyone <laughs> it's generally it's generally a lot of females as well which i think is i think they sort of attribute attribute it to like females i guess having a higher level of emotional intelligence not to say that guys aren't, <laughs> aren't <laughs> yeah we get it we get it we, we understand. <laughs> you tend to find a lot more um females studying it for sure but i think um, there's there's kind of a little bit of an almost stigma i would say with psych students is that a lot of them do it to fix themselves yeah. firstly rather <laughs> yeah. than like other people but i don't know i think like it's it's definitely a lot of introspection, I think, like definitely when you're learning all the theories and you're like, oh, that could be me or, yeah. oh no, I have a few of these symptoms, <laughs> but yeah. Do you guys do that with Chinese med? You're like, read the classics and you're like, oh, that pattern sounds like me. <laughs> I used, to, I tend to switch off now and just like mm. not think about it so much until I have to. Otherwise, it just takes up way too much, like, brain space. Mm. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, wow, this person is like this. And you should be taking this formula. And I could use these points and these <laughs> points and these points. And it's just like, I'd rather just listen and not be like, Chinese med, huh? And just be like, oh, Chinese med's pretty good for that. <laughs> and yeah. I think the degree that I do that with is, like, self, self, uh, uh, lifestyle self-diagnosis, but not really. Kind of like, oh, waking up with a, with a dry throat. Oh, it must be... <laughs> Must be inefficient, didn't sleep that much, or something like that. You yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of that type of thing. Um, mm. I think I do that with formulas. Someone mentions a formula, and I'm like, oh, I could use that formula, <laughs> or I could use that AccuPoint. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think if anything, it's definitely helped me recognize. Well, I, I mean, especially being at uni, as I'm sure you guys know, your stress levels are just, you know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. it's a great um, time to sort of. Almost, I guess, mm, maybe not under- understand, sort of explore your own stress levels, but also what triggers you. And I feel like doing psych as well sort of helped me figure out how best to deal with that when I am feeling particularly anxious or stressed or like the coping like mechanisms. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you want to share? Oh, okay. <laughs> Any of I those? Mean, I know for me, my biggest thing is probably sleep. If I don't get enough sleep, then, like, everything Preach. just, like, yeah. nothing works. We should have just uh, called this podcast the sleep podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sleep Every episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, like, I do yoga. Um, also get, um, have my acupuncture as well and my cupping, um, which I find helps me, especially having, like, I get the seeds in my ear as well. And I feel like just the act of um, pressing that is sort of, almost giving me that reminder um, to sort of take that time to chill out and not stress so much. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Every mm. time I prescribe little ear seeds, mm. I think it's like a little sense of mindfulness at the yeah, very least. Yeah. Like if, if people, some people are sceptical about yeah. you know, ear seeds <laughs> in general, but at the very least they can focus on the feeling that it gives them. And mm. most of the time I prescribe it to for anxiety or your depression type, type stuff, which you need that type of mindfulness the most because it's like, mm. You're focusing on that little sensation that that little thing gives you. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good to hear from somebody, like, not prompted yeah. <laughs> to talk about yeah. change. And be like, oh, yeah, these seats, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess because I always think even if people do, I mean, I'm always open to try everything, but even if people do or don't, fully believe in traditional Chinese medicine or they might think it's, say, like, I don't know, maybe placebo. The thing is placebos still have been proven to work. So 
I think it's sort of, I think you sort of have to go into things with an open mind a bit. Mm. Mm. I like that a lot. I like, <laughs> your, I like how you're appreciating our field. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Two worlds collide. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on, on the floor, I wanted to like jump back before you mentioned about reading el- yourself, ourselves or yourselves, right? Mm-hmm. How about other people? <laughs> Do you tend to just like, oh, we, we did talk about this. Me, <laughs> me, me and Talia did talk about this at some stage, but mm. we're talking about uh, reading other people. You said you mentioned your family, yeah. uh, <laughs> friends, um, and everything like that. Uh, did you, do you have an experience with like reading your fr- family and being like, wow, um, like, wow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can remember like an exact. Oh, no, no call moment. outs, no call no, outs, no, no, no call <laughs> outs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I guess. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think now. It's kind of like, I feel like you can pick up on traits a lot easier and you understand which ones are not beneficial to like, Mm. I don't know, for me, I don't know. I think when I think about other people and I look at their behaviors or something and you're like, oh, like if you just change this one part, like this part of you would be so much happier almost. Or if you just like, I feel like we're all thinking about this. Me and you are thinking about the same person. (laughs) 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 No call outs, guys. No call outs. Come on now. (laughs) Or if you just like understood like why that's kind of behavior is like detrimental to you, then it would, yeah, you, you can just figure out ways to make people's lives a little like easier on themselves. I think. Do you ever find that people, like, don't tell you things? So, like, they know you're a psychologist student, so they, like, hold back (laughs) on, like... I feel like it's almost the opposite, actually. They just, like, tell you everything. Yeah, Yeah. they're like, here's my problems. I don't don't know. I don't think I have had any, but most of the people I know are pretty open (laughs) anyway. Is it because it's, like, do people, like, full-on unload on you because they can't put two and two together sometimes? It's like, this happened in my past, but I am like this now. Why is it like this? Like, um, why am I like this? Is it? Do they have like any any sort of relation? Because that's why I, I kind of did yeah. that when I was in my psych appointments. Like, they maybe don't bit. specifically be like, I have this, this, what oh, this Oh, not explicitly. Mean? But like, yeah. I think even just talking in general is always beneficial to sort of discuss with someone else and have a second opinion. Because oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like a lot of people, they lack an ability to introspect. So even like, yeah. even though they might recognize that like, they lack something now like so they're super anxious now they might like even though they have reasons to be they might lack the introspection skills to look back and be like oh yeah like this has been causing me to feel like this and like this is why I feel like this yeah (laughs) or they don't like they don't understand how to change it or they like Mm. either that or they like we were talking about this the other day but you kind of have to make them realize that it's them who has to change it not anyone else yeah which is like challenging them and being like well I don't know for example if you are like taking a lot of drugs or something and it's making you really depressed but they'll be like oh like it's not impacting me that much like it's not that bad like it's this other problem that's impacting me but you have an inkling that it's actually the drugs that are making them upset like you kind of have to challenge them and be like well maybe you should just try stopping this for a little while and seeing how you feel or maybe you should like see someone that might be able to help you with this like being able to challenge them is kind of the main thing like even for me like even with like normal problems like family members like they're like oh like I'm super mad because this thing happened at work but you know that person goes to work with no sleep and they probably yeah. angered people <laughs> themselves yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are thinking of the same person <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't call out yeah. <laughs> We don't want no enemies on this podcast. Right, guys? <laughs> it's okay, they don't listen. Oh, oh. No. I call about that, it's all right. <laughs> What's a beef? Let's go. It is controversy. Maybe get them to listen. <laughs> <laughs> good, good way to get followers. Yeah. 
just like this late in the podcast, just n- name and shame so many yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, on that though, do you tend to overanalyze people in that case? So it's like, Ooh. like you, you'd be like, oh, they'd be they'd be doing something that might seem unhealthy, and you're like, oh, should you not do that? And they're like, no, nah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just chill. Chilling. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. I, I guess. I mean. Uh, I mean, I know for myself, speaking from experience, but I tend to, I like, I think a lot. (laughs) I feel like I do more thinking than talking. But I think if you sort of, sort of hard, but I guess if you take that time when you're thinking about it, sort of analysing in your head, if you take that time before you sort of, I guess, come to a conclusion that maybe helps you from overthinking, but... For yourself, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, definitely for myself. Yeah, yeah right, right, <laughs> sure. right, right. So, um, so do you tend to overanalyze yourself more, more, more so? Probably more myself than other people, I think. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I think I it's because so you hard. you're like aware that you need to be able to yeah. reflect on yourself, and then yeah. you kind of start reflecting so too much. So yeah. Caught in a loop. <laughs> yeah. Just in like a spiral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like with other people though, it's kind of like I mean, I was listening to you guys talk before, and you were saying that like if someone doesn't want to talk to you about something you can't really force it out of mm. them and like even if you have uh, like a feeling that this might be wrong with them like we were even talking in our lecture last week about um if someone comes in with an issue that they're specifically asking help for like it might be like I don't know what's an example like oh they aren't coping well at work for some reason and you're like okay like look, let's work on that problem while you're talking about it you find out that they have family issues or something like that and that might be why, like, a contributing to the, their work problem. But if they specifically, like, if you try and bring it up and they specifically say, like, oh, no, like, that's not a problem, like, you can try and encourage them to talk about it, but we're told, like, to leave it alone. Like, don't try and force it out of them because they want to be, they're there for, like, their own reasons and, like, they want this certain problem fixed. So trying to enforce your own values mm. onto them is, like, not the way to go about it. Yeah. So I feel like when other people are like, you're trying to overanalyze them a bit and they're like, oh, like you think this is your problem. A lot of the time it can be like your own personal values thinking that it's a problem when it might not necessarily be for them. <laughs> yeah, like you sort of have to, do you mean like you sort of have to stop your own, um, I guess your own beliefs yeah, and well, attitudes coming into it? It's even like religion stuff yeah. even. Like if someone is like, I don't know, for example... Um, I don't know. What's an example? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like religion and politics are two things that like you got to – it's hard to like refrain sometimes. Yeah. Like making sort sure of, like they yeah. don't come into the treatment room. Like you almost have to leave it at the door as much as you can. Yeah. Otherwise, because you don't want it to then affect um, your quality of therapy and your competency as yeah. well. I've seen that. I've seen that before. All the psychologists, like you guys – you guys included all the psychologists I've talked to and like all the friends I've talked to about psychologists and things like that. Generally what I've seen is just a general open mindedness. Mm -hmm. And I, I I really, I really enjoy that because I've heard a story of a psychiatrist um, (laughs) talking, he he was enforcing religious values onto someone and it just, it just wasn't good. And I feel like it is, would you guys deem that as like unprofessionalism? kind of thing is almost it almost it's it'd be yeah. breaching ethics yeah. by a mile yeah because yeah. it's like we have a we have a lot of ethics. yeah i'd yeah. imagine you would yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's kind of like you you have the option as a psychologist like for example i think one of our lecturers last year was telling us like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was she was telling us like her own thing that she has in her clinic is that she won't um, see anyone who has been convicted as like a like was it pedophile? Yeah, pedophile, like yeah. child abuse, any that any sort of that kind of stuff. Like she just refuses because she knows herself, like her own biases would just overtake and she couldn't prevent that from happening. And like mm. part of being a good psychologist is knowing when that's going to happen for you and just refusing to take the client and like referring them on. So mm. so that's that's not deemed, uh, this isn't my, like this isn't me coming at you guys, but yeah, that's yeah. not deemed as like a discrimination or anything like that? No. I think it's sort it's of more related to... Because I guess the main, the whole point of the therapy is that you want to do the best by the client. Um, And so in terms of competency, if you can't provide that level of quality that they should be receiving, then it's all right to, um, as long as it doesn't hurt, like harm the patient in any way, it's generally all right to sort of pass them along or refer them to another psychologist. I think it's also like... um, like even some of our lecturers are like, oh, like if this is you, then you're probably in the wrong career. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you were very sort of, like you were saying, like even closed-minded, like if mm-hmm. you are not open to this religion or you're not open to this kind of experience or you're not open to someone who's been homeless or like all this kind of things, like if you have a lot of restrictions on that, then yeah. being a psychologist probably isn't for you. I guess like for most people, the main things that they would probably be sending people away, like that sort of thing, that stuff's really like, really going to impact you harshly for whatever reason, like, yeah. I think it is important to be able to identify that, though, and be like, I can't deal with this because, like, yeah, it will weigh too much on, like, who you are and yeah, you will just mm. won't be able to give the right care. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think it's important for us as Chinese med people as well to be able to identify, like, okay, this is probably somebody that I can't treat or, you know, that I just can't deal with mm-hmm. um, and maybe we can refer them on. Mm, um, and yeah. there's probably somebody else that could do mm. better, do a better job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but then, it, oh, there you go. Uh, I was going to say at the same time, it's not like um, that's not to say that also say someone who has a certain religious background that they might not be approving of say same sex couples or that sort of thing. They might still see same sex clients. Like it doesn't mean that they can't just because they're religion. It's yeah. It's just I guess if they're able to prevent their biases from coming into it. Yeah, it's definitely just be about like identifying like what you can and can't do. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. and just being like the best, like in your profession. I think it's also important for clients as well because like uh, like even that same lecturer who was saying she would refuse certain patients, like she was saying, um, she had recently like gone through a medical issue and she was looking for psychologists, even though she is one herself. It's very important, I think, mm. for psychs to have their own psychologists <laughs> yeah. at the same time. But she was looking for people to help her with that issue. And she said she went through like eight different psychologists before she found one that she was happy with because she like she's like slightly older and she was like, I could like no offense, but I couldn't really have a 22 year old psychologist helping me with this. Cause like, you just don't have as much life experience and mm. like it, like even for clients, like if you, for example, are like, I don't know, gay or whatever. And a client doesn't agree with that. Like it's not, it's going to be very hard for you to be able to give them advice if they're not going to listen to you yeah. simply because of that. Like yeah. you yeah. don't feel comfortable as well. In that yeah. Space. So like it's important to know like as a client of psychs that you can just refuse to see one just yeah. because you're not happy. Like no one's going to take offence. Like you want to be able to help 
clients and if they don't think you'll be able to help them then that's okay yeah yeah i think it's the same in chinese med where it's kind of a kind of like it's a personality thing like personality thing or whatever like you just have to gel with them because Mm. when you do gel i just feel like you're more more willing compliant or like you're working with your practitioner and you're taking your health into your own hands rather than just going there getting a like mini lecture this is what you should be doing but Mm. then because you don't really like them or you don't really agree with them just not really doing that it's the degree of that trust we we Mm. did discuss that at some stage and especially in your field the Mm. the trust Mm. between um, the psychologist and the client has to is, is probably the most focused thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, for it's sure. It's so the main important. One. Yeah. Like I, I again, relating from my own experiences, <laughs> it took like four, three or four sessions for me to be fully comfortable mm. and be really open about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And on that note, thank you for being open <laughs> and sharing your experiences um, with psych and also your experiences with Chinese medicine. Um, yeah, feel free to. Yeah, if you have any anything? site questions, oh, do you, you want to plug say anything real quick? Sorry, before we wrap up. Sorry, uh, Charlie. No, that's okay. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we have anything. To yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we really don't. That's all right. That's if you guys have oh, any questions I mean, for them or um, <laughs> want to discuss, I guess anything about site, you can do that mm. on our Facebook discussion group. Um, we'll add these guys in and yeah, yeah, hopefully start a conversation and get that going. You can follow us on our Instagrams or on Facebook as well. If you have any future topics you want discussed, ideas for guests, anything, just send us a message. Yeah, anything. <laughs> anything. It's, yeah. it's so just, quiet. Just that you're enjoying just the podcast even. Yeah, yeah we'd just, love to just hear give from us anything. <laughs> and as always, we're the Forever Young Podcast and we'll hear from you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.